Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. Time now for the balloon party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Yes. Jackson, how late am I? No, we're good. I was just talking it over with uh, Randy Carey and Matt Rocchio, who did a hell of a job filling in for you yesterday, by the way. Which I appreciate very much. So. But, like, really good. He's very talented. But I think Better a lot of people I. liked it. Yeah, I bet. I'm not good. Oh, my. Now, hold on a second. Well, I'm sorry. Now I feel like it's a, do I look heavy in this dress? Now that's what I feel like that was right there. I, I'm serviceable at best. But you oh know what? That gets the, now, It'll get the on, job now, done. Well, I mean, just being honest. Now what the world? Self-reflection a little bit. But I'm happy to be back, and there's uh, always a chance us, to get well, better. Tell us what the problem was, because I, I think just, the audience was was concerned. No, I was just, I felt terrible yesterday morning, which is odd. Showed I, up to work, infected the entire office building <laughs> with remorse. Right, so I, I showed up yesterday, and I was just like a zombie. I didn't know what was going on. I felt bad. My throat hurt, and everything was no good. So I went, got tested for COVID, tested negative, all good on that front, and just slept and rested fluids yesterday and woke up feeling a lot better so i said hey coming in here i come uh let's see uh show was a lot better yesterday without that annoying comedy bs wow f you that's what it that's what the text says (laughs) yeah well it's very constructive criticism um i don't really know how to respond to that other than i'm sure it was a great show because it was the day after the cardinal cardinal uh playoff series or the Two days after, and I'm sure it was strong. Rocchio kept Tim in line with the clock. That's from the 636. He did give me the old, oh, the, really? the, the universal code for it's time for a break. I've never done that once in my, in my career, so yeah. he's already doing better than me, I guess. And we did, we did get out on time. Am I getting Wally pipped? I don't know if he's necessarily looking for the gig, <laughs> so to speak, yeah. but uh, he did a fine job. In your absence, it's wonderful to have you back. Action Jackson back, and uh, the audience is certainly thrilled to have you back as well. I just told Randy Carrick or something that, about the NFL and St. Louis sports that Randy Carricker didn't know. Oh, wow. That's, a, that's an accomplishment. Right I there. know. And it ties into audio that we have today on this show that we will play at 10.15. Beautiful. And this might open the eyes of many St. Louis NFL fans. And you will hear a well-known host of a sports television program, one of the more successful sports television programs uh, of the 21st century, say, if that would have happened, St. Louis would still have... The Cardinals. Wow. That's what you will hear at 10.15. How about that tease? Take that. Yeah. Rocchio's mere presence of morning drive on HD1 has upped my game via osmosis. I am a tease factory now. Yeah. Oh, big time. And that's yeah. that's huge for us. That's... They will call me the dry humper. <laughs> Piddles in the dry humper. It's a, where's the imaging? Yeah. We need that now. Exactly. Need T-shirts. Uh, Jackson, I haven't heard your opinion on uh, what transpired with the Cardinals, and I know people. I, I I have not had a sports story. I usually don't leave my basement. I'm very uh, open about that. Mm-hmm. 
But I was out uh, a variety of things uh, over the weekend. Also, I was out yesterday with uh, my son. Um, and I had, for real, more people ask me my opinion on the Cardinals and Phillies series than anything in recent memory. Wow. Um, and so I'm curious what your opinion is. Because I haven't heard it, so this is totally fresh for me and for the audience of Piddles and the Dry Humper. Yeah, and I'd like to preface this. The Friday game, I was in Rich Chicago, so I was listening to it on the radio. Here on 101 ESPN, I was listening to it. It sounded great. Nice. And Saturday, I watched the game in its entirety. And, you know, I could come in with three different things I didn't like Marmol did with the pitching or that this, that, and the third. But, the, I mean, it really comes down to Paul Goldschmidt didn't, even, didn't come close to hitting. And really, Nolan Arenado, while he hit some balls hard, had one hit. So when you have your two guys who are in the MVP race, basically, a, I mean, just a massive portion of your offense, not only not hit but strike out a lot, it's going to be tough to win a two-game or best-of-three series. Now, you know, even though you weren't here for TMA or Balloon Party yesterday, uh, that that is not what the majority of the people want to talk about, though. Sure, I get that, and I get, and I that's I think that's just fan nature is to not necessarily second guess the manager, but criticize things like that. But at the end of the day, if Paul Goldschmidt strikes out what was it four times and doesn't get record a hit, and one for events, seven, four strikeouts, one appearance on the base paths with an HBP, right? That then you're you're in, you're already behind the eight ball. It's gonna be really hard to win games when your two best hitters don't hit. The reality of something that makes for dreadful conversation or sports talk radio is the Cardinals were on the short end of the stick when it came to the wide delta that is luck Mm -hmm. and the bad luck of Ryan Helsley getting hurt in a meaningless game a week ago today in Pittsburgh is really why they lost that game on Friday. Now, I know that's not what people want to hear, and I'm totally well aware of it, uh, I if I were a hundred percent looking at it through the, the lens of a fan, um, I, that I wouldn't want to hear that either. Uh, but you got Ryan Helsley uh, with you know already three outs recorded, two of them which were strikeouts, and Bryce Harper one and two. You have gotten the game to the point where you won it. You're yep. up two nothing with Ryan Helsley, one of the best pitchers in the game, which sounds crazy because he's not thought of that way. You know, even in St. Louis, much less. Uh, beyond St. Louis, but as far as uh, closing out games, he's pretty pretty tight, and he's hurt. And so you have that situation, and then you also have what was, I think, uh, lesser, because it doesn't get near the attention, but for Nolan Arenado to only have one hit with how hard he hit the baseball. Now, don't get me wrong, he struck out in some key spots, too, and that can't be ignored. Yep. That is also, from a mathematical standpoint, uh, way up there on the bad luck scale. So, you know, that's 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 the reality. But when it comes to that ninth inning, that's what people want to discuss. And interestingly enough, and uh, Rocky will let me know that Dan McLaughlin was on with uh, Randy and Kerry yesterday on the opening drive, and he told the story of going in to see Ali Marmol and said that uh, even though the analytics said he should have pulled them before facing Schwarber in the sixth inning. Oh, wow. That... Um, he was interested in, in having him stay in there longer. But that goes against the analytics. So even though the analytics say he shouldn't have faced Schwarber, because a lot of people circle that moment, or they circle Gallegos getting pulled with one out in the eighth inning, or they circle how come somebody wasn't up for the Helsley 
uh, yeah. situation yeah. in the ninth, or why was the infield defensively positioned as it was for the Segura at bat? But uh, certainly a number of people point to that. And listen, I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm just telling you what the manager said. And I thought Dan McLaughlin added more color to it by saying he actually, uh, the analytics told him to pull him sooner, but he uh, left him in there to face Schwarber, interestingly enough, which therefore it goes back to this thing that drives a lot of people up the wall, especially somebody who grew up watching pitchers catch complete game shutouts or complete games, even if they allowed one run. And that is, well, this is what the analytics say, so that's what we do. Yeah. I mean, how many times, for those of you who watched the Chiefs and the Raiders last night, did you hear Joe Buck say, well, the analytics say to do this on this play, the analytics say to do that on that. that is, that's not something you heard even five years ago, right. both with baseball and with football. Um, and then Saturday night, you know, the offense that we had seen throughout September unfortunately carried over i actually felt like they had more opportunities to score on saturday than they did on friday which is which sounds weird since they scored three runs on friday um but yeah people are really fired up about this series loss and i'm not saying that i'm not to be clear i just think what what wound up happening is the perfect storm for anger Mm -hmm. and i'll explain that momentarily and then for change, and that is the following. Nolan Arenado is, by definition, in a spot where he could become a free agent, and he could use that leverage to make the Cardinals be aggressive with pursuing some offense. So much talk at the trade deadline about pitching, and I understand they needed pitching, and that's why I was excited that they went out and got two pitchers like Quintana and Montgomery, but they also needed offense. It wasn't an either-or proposition. And with regards to um, the perfect storm, uh, it's the perfect storm of having the end of the Molina era, end of the Pujols era, and the Cardinals losing in such a frustrating manner that gets people upset. From my standpoint, unfortunately, I saw it as a spot where the Cardinals were trending in the wrong direction, just like they had 13 years ago in 2009. And so my expectations were limited. And once Helsley was out, I thought, even if they win... Tonight, as in Saturday, how are they going to how are they going to close games out, and how is it going to alter the bullpen, and how is it going to I mean, it just it just materially reduced their ability to go deep in the postseason once that happened, and it sucks. Yeah, it sucks. But I realize people don't want to hear about that stuff. All right, it's ten thirteen. You're welcome to text in six five seven eight zero. I delivered what I think is a tease for the ages. You're going to hear this audio, something that Randy Carricker didn't know about St. Louis. St. Louis football Cardinals, and what could have changed their future. Could they still be in St. Louis if this happened? You'll hear from somebody who is nearly a member of the organization. It's next on Balloon Party 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome back, Balloon Party 101 ESPN. 1017 in St. Louis. Oh, we're on time. Time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers. Well, it's not really, though, because I said we'll play the audio at 1015. That's why I looked at the clock. Uh, we're on a two minute, you know, two minutes. Oh, is that right? Yeah, you get two minutes on the on other side. side of it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, this audio comes from ESPN's Pardon the Interruption, and it's Michael Wilbon and Tony Kornheiser talking with broadcaster now 
but uh, former 49ers and Tampa Bay Buccaneers quarterback Steve Young about an interview he had just done, I believe a day before, with Rich Eisen on his podcast in which he said he was actually traded in the 1980s to the St. Louis football Cardinals, Big Red, predating you, Jackson, mm-hmm. almost predating me. Yeah. And Michael Wilbon's reaction saying, had that happened, St. Louis would still have the Cardinals. Take a listen. You told Rich Eisen about something that changed NFL history. It's a great Before story. trading you to the 49ers, the Bucks had agreed to trade you to the St. Louis Cardinals. And you said that you talked Tampa Bay owner, you Culverhouse, out of it. What did you say to him? So I try to shorten this down because we only have five minutes. Look, Mr. Culverhouse and I had built a great relationship. And uh, he, he told me about three months before that that I want you to be my quarterback for life. Like, I like who you are. I like what you're doing in the field. I like your game. I like everything about it. I want you to be my quarterback for life. He changed, fired Levin Bennett in that interim of that time and brought in Ray Perkins. Ray Perkins shows up and looks at me. And he's like, number one, I hate lefties. Number two, I hate scramblers. And he's like, uh, we're in trouble. So then he called me and said, you've been traded to the Cardinals. I called Mr. Colbert. I said, Mr. Colbert, you said I was your quarterback for life just three months ago. You can't send me to the Cardinals. If you're going to send me away, you've got to help me. And he goes, Steve, I'll nix it. I'll fix it. You go. Fi- I'll give you a week. Go figure out what you want to do and call me back. That man, I owe a great debt. Unbelievable. Does Roy Green that know is he a could have been playing story. with you? My dear friend Roy Green, his life would be different if he played with what you. The whole story. league would be different. It uh, would be. The Cardinals would still be in St. Louis. Uh, yeah, nothing against St. Thank Louis. It's just uh, the Buccaneers and the, the Cardinals. I needed to get, uh, I don't know, I needed something more. So, I was, you know, anyway, thanks. You Worked guys. out. So, you told- so that, that's Steve Young talking to Tony Kornheiser and Michael Wilbon. That's Michael Wilbon saying the Cardinals would still be in St. Louis. Uh, Steve Young, I went and listened to the podcast with, uh, with, with Rich Eisen, and he made it clear it wasn't an anti-St. Louis thing. This wasn't like John Carlos Stanton saying I need to hang out in the meatpacking district or something like that. Uh, this was more the Buccaneers and the Cardinals were not exactly synonymous with success right. in the 1980s. And if he was going to go somewhere, he needed to go somewhere where he had a chance at having success. Now, one might go, well, they had a guy named Joe Montana in, in San Francisco. But uh, as he tells the story, uh, Montana was dealing with some kind of injury, so he knew he was going to get an opportunity. And so he was, he, the Cardinals, the football Cardinals, had traded for Steve Young. And as you hear Wilbon saying, can you imagine what it would have meant for Roy Green, who... I think for fans, maybe you would tell me I'm wrong on this. I, I know the success wasn't there, but, you know, I'm going back to when I was five, six, seven, eight years old, but Roy Green was kind of the Isaac Bruce, mm. I would say. Maybe people who are older would correct me on that. Uh, obviously, the Cardinals didn't do what the Rams did uh, before uh, they went Rachel Phelpsing, but the the Roy Green, Neil Lomax thing was the... Uh, was the tandem quarterback receiver. And had the Cardinals had Steve Young at quarterback, how that could have traded and changed changed NFL history. And would St. Louis have been more apt to get something done? Because to me, that's the original sin. Now, you can talk about the lease clause, which was brutal. Right. But then you're ignoring the expansion debacle with what became the Jacksonville Jaguars. 
But if you focus on the expansion debacle with the Jacksonville Jaguars, then you're ignoring what transpired in the 1980s with a franchise that had been in St. Louis for a few decades. And yes, if Steve Young is the quarterback, you have a hell of a lot more attendance and a hell of a lot more interest and most likely a hell of a lot more success on the field. So there it is. Uh, Jackson, do you think that means that the Cardinals would still be here if Steve Young... Boy, that would be so awesome if they were. I mean, just any team, really. But, like, yeah, it's a domino thing, like you were talking about. You can't just ignore one part of it. Like, dominoes fell so that the Rams left in early 2016. Like, you can't just take one domino away and everything holds up. You know, there's a lot of problems with the whole situation that was built, you know, 25 years before they ever moved or even considering moving. So there's a lot of dominoes that fell, and if that, if Steve Young came to town and the Cardinals were really successful and they stayed, I mean, who knows what the St. Louis sports landscape would look like right now. Guys, uh, then years later, Aeneas Williams uh, of the Arizona Cardinals ended Steve Young's career with that vicious hit on a corner blitz. That's right. Was that 99, maybe? That Aeneas Williams got uh, got Steve Young with the Cardinals, but of course the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, Roy Jetstream Green was the man. Played both sides of the ball his rookie year. Scored a touchdown on offense and had an interception on defense in the same game. Great kick returner as well. Yeah, when we were like playing Sandlot football growing up, and I barely watched because you couldn't watch the games when they were in St. Louis. As weird as that sounds, really, the games there were blackout rules. Boy. Yeah, it's like what we're dealing with in baseball here, and it sounds like it's from, you know, like we'd have covered wagons, but somehow that's what's going on uh, with baseball. But, uh, yeah, and so to see the Cardinals playing at Bush Stadium in St. Louis was rare because of the NFL's blackout rules. So it just... And I don't know, I don't know, you know, I mean, my age is, is keeping me from it, but... I don't know how big of a deal the Cardinals were to people who, let's say, are in their 50s or 60s now. Um, Because I can tell you, as a child of the 80s, I mean, I view the St. Louis sports landscape as, of course, the Cardinals in blues. But I also would include the steamers in there, which sounds crazy, but it was huge. And I might have, if you you ask the 8-year-old me, who was taller than the (laughs) 46-year-old me, what what the order of, of St. Louis sports interest was for me at that time. Anyway, I think the Cardinals might've been last, Wow, which sounds yeah, that's crazy. crazy. That's crazy. But they just were so bad for, for again, I'm being born in 76. That's I'm, I'm not in the sweet spot. Cause I know in the seventies, they had some entertaining teams. Uh-huh. And then also it's like, if you were born in 2005 and Rams. you were asked about the Rams, yeah, you know of Kyle Bowler and Drew Bennett, you know, and then you're also starting to experience the years where they're all the talk is about them moving. Right. That's what I remember about the Cardinals that they were going to be moving. Mm, gotcha. And so it just wasn't. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't hit the same. Right. It's not the same, and that, that's kind of how I was with the Rams. I mean, I'd heard legend of the '99 team. I was, you know, two years old when the Super Bowls played, or even younger. But uh, it's not. The, you know, the years I was a Rams fan, it was. Uh, seven to nines, so it doesn't hit. The, and plus, you're right with the whole moving thing. I mean, that takes over. How can you like focus on? Right, you can't invest emotionally. Right, exactly. And I unfortunately like did, and I and it cost me some probably some years off my life, and my hairline probably received more. You think that played a role in your hairline? Uh, you don't think it's genetics? You think it was the Rams? I got to look to someone to blame on. And I'm going to blame it that. on Jeff Fisher and uh, Les Snead and 
Dan Kroenke. Uh, let's see. When I was a kid in the 80s, my dad would always wager with me, and he would give me the Cardinals. My dad was much smarter than I was back then. That is from the, uh, eight, well, I was about to say 815, Kansas City area, but uh, eight one or 816, but it's uh, 815. Uh, Tim, Big Red were number one in the 70s in St. Louis. That makes sense. You had yeah. the Coriel years. Cardinals weren't very good. Mm-hmm. No playoff appearances. And, you know, the Blues were new. Yeah, in their infancy. My dad has been texting me throughout this whole time, and it has always told me how awesome Big Red was in the 70s. He yeah. said it was the greatest. And he said Roy Jetstream Green was just like Isaac Bruce. Like, ah, nice. I'm glad I got the analogy right there. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Randy Carricker would be your resource for the football Cardinals. He speaks very highly of them, but I believe he said in the past that he had a stronger connection to the Rams than to the Cardinals. That is from... The 618. Eric Coriel was the thing in high school. That's from the 314. My dad loves the Cardinals in St. Louis, and he fouled them all the way out to Arizona. He's still a diehard fan. It's from the 618. Yeah, that's the original sin. To me, that's the original sin. That's the original sin. Right. The Cardinals are the original sin. All right, Jackson uh, is back after being ill yesterday, and now we will turn our attention to Little Piddle's percentages regarding the Cardinals and the short-term future. Coming up at 1045, Chris Kerber will join us as the Blues open up the season here in just a matter of days. Saturday night, taking on CBJ. We will talk it over with Chris Kerber for his weekly appearance here on Balloon Party. This is 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Balloon Party 101 ESPN, Tim McKernan Action Jackson with you. Chris Kerber joining us coming up 1045 and here in our third segment, Little Piddle's percentages as he makes his glorious return from the IL yesterday. Uh, all right, here we go, Jackson. You gave Let's me four. It. Let's do it. Adam Wainwright returns to the Cardinals. Go. 60%. Mm, I was going 67%. 60%. Why do you say it? I just don't think I don't see him going out like the way he did. No. I think he wants revenge, or maybe not revenge, but I think he wants to go out on his terms. I think he wants to go out in glory to an extent where he's on, you know, a pitching a playoff rotation. I think he wants to go out uh, in his own style. So I don't think he's going to go out like this. But at the same time, I understand. I mean, he owes this organization and this fan base nothing. Uh, I would put it at sixty-seven percent. And I am reading the tells of what transpired and his postgame comments. That is my reasoning for going 67% that he returns. Nolan Arnato returns to the Cardinals. Jackson, go. 90%. Mm. Yeah. Do you think he opts out? Uh, I think he might just to maybe test the wires or use his leverage to do something else. But I would even put that at a low percentage. So, no, I don't think. Really? Why well, you put that at a low percentage? What is a low percentage? 25-30% that he opts out. Why to, would he leave money reason. on the table? I, mean, I don't know. Maybe he just doesn't want to deal with it in the offseason. He just wants to enjoy his time, not have to worry about it. But at the same time, he's a smart guy. He might. He, there's a good chance that he might opt it would out, be opt back in. financially irresponsible for him to not capitalize on the market. Sure. And therefore, my belief is what will wind up happening is he will use this moment, as you were making reference to, to put himself in a spot where he gets another year or two added on to his deal with the Cardinals, and also perhaps says, you know, I could go get more, but I won't go get the max, so I can stay in St. Louis, but I would appreciate it if we have some offensive solutions to catcher, shortstop, and the outfield 
with the dollars that I am leaving. So I'll make that deal if you make that deal with me. I would love that. I think that would be shrewd on his part, and I think it would be beneficial for the Cardinals in the long run. That is where I am on Nolan Arenado. Uh, so I do think he returns to the Cardinals. I would put that at 75% that he returns to the Cardinals with an opt-out extension. So I'm going to be very specific as far as him just returning to the Cardinals. Um, I'll give myself some room for the he just just goes, yeah, I'm not opting out at all. And i uh, put that at a 90% confidence level. Uh, but with my specific play, I'll go 75%. The Cardinals have a new shortstop starting in game one of next season. By new, you mean somebody other than Paul DeYoung, or by new, do you mean somebody other than Tommy Edmond? Uh, a new card, so someone who wasn't on the roster this season. As the starting shortstop? Yes. Okay, that's interesting. That, pu- that puts me to the test. I'm going to say 40%. Now, tell me if I'm wrong on this, mm-hmm. but if we're operating on the premise that it is more than likely that Nolan Arenado is still at third base, mm-hmm. and you are expecting Tommy Edmond to still be on the club, yes, then how would this work out? Would Edmond go back to second base? But then yeah. if that's the case, where's Nolan Gorman? Gorman come off the bench. Wow. Gorman come off the bench, and they would get, I mean, there's a lot of options at shortstop in the in the free agent pool this year. I oh, think what do we have in the free agent pool Dan this year? Dan Swanson, uh, Carlos Correa has a... Uh, yeah, he has an opt-out, he has and an he opt has out. made it crystal clear he has not enjoyed his time in Minneapolis-St. Paul. Yeah, he said, if you want my, if you want this product, you can come get it. <laughs> like, you got to pay. Yeah, he didn't really beat around the bush. Price went up. Uh, I think Trey Turner would be available this season. I'm not positive. It's either this one or next one. But those two I mentioned right there would be obvious upgrades to what they have this season. And... Options for sure. Yeah, I, I, I would. I mean, it's 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 just time. Right. I, I, I'm not. I'm honestly not even sweating whether or not Paul DeYoung is at shortstop next year for the Cardinals. It's just a non-starter. Now I understand Randy. I guess Rocky was telling me that Randy thinks he will be, but I I didn't talk with Randy about it, so I don't want to put words in his mouth because maybe he's like he'll be on the roster, but he won't be because I just think he's he's not even a factor next year. I can't imagine that he is. Um, but I don't know if that means that they've gone out and gotten a shortstop. Um, relative to the Gorman situation in Edmond. But my guess is they would like to have Gorman as DH, perhaps. Right, right. I mean, until he, until he improves with the strikeout percentage, he's kind not a liability. And then Edmond but... back at second and get a shortstop? Or I don't know, put Edmond in the outfield? I don't know. Yeah, there's a lot of... That, that's a good thing about Tommy Edmond is you can kind of move him around. Bottom line is Paul DeYoung is not a Cardinal shortstop next year, though. That is, that is where Can't I am, be. and I don't really think that's a bold one. Jordan Walker will be on the opening day roster. Put that one at 15%. Wow. I, I think you'll Are be... Are you interested in a wager, huh? Yeah, I'll throw 20 on it. There, there it is. Not on the opening day. I think he's going to be used a lot next season, but I think it's going to be a situation where it's like kind of like Gorman last year called up in around early to mid-May. Well, we got 20 bucks on it. I think he's on the opening day roster. I hope he is. I mean, I saw a video of him yesterday crushing like a 425-foot palm in the fall league, Yes, and he looks like a monster. So, yeah, I would love to see him up as quickly as possible. Yeah, I think he is. I think he is. I also kind of wish they would have brought him up this year to experience uh, right. some time with Albert Pools. 
Um, but I uh, expect him to be on the opening day roster. That is where my money is. So another $20 bet is booked. How am I looking on Predictionary here? I feel like I've been firing a lot of things and just shipping them left and right. What do we have? I think we're still at 11 and 5, but that's going to uh, drop. i got to question the bookkeeping of Predictionary here. It's going to drop uh, when 91 suits up. I am stunned by that. Talk about that with Kerber here in a few minutes. Yeah. So that one is going to go down by, I think, 10 and 5 is the official number. You just said 11 a minute ago, and now all of a sudden I lost a, a, a win. I got to do some more bookkeeping, so I can't. Unbelievable. <laughs> Who's, who, who wants to audit Piddles? Anybody <laughs> want to audit Piddles? It's, it's open. I'm open for it. I'm not scared. First person to text in was to audit Piddles at 65780. Send my notes app. Uh, and uh, you have a Wainwright question here. Adam Wainwright is definitely a question mark heading into the 2023 campaign. His comments after the loss on Saturday seem to signal a bit of uncertainty on his part. If he had to bet, do you think he will return for one last run in 2023? We've tended to that. But the one thing I wanted to address, Wainwright actually said that he knows what he's doing. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. He just hasn't made it public yet? That's correct. Wow. He says he already knows. Wow. That um, I, I try to deduce from that point, but I can't. Like, I can't. I don't know what his decision is, but I, I have to think. I just personally think he's going to come back. I do, too. I do, too. But I totally understand. I mean, he's done a lot done a lot he's been such a great ambassador for the game of baseball not only in st louis but across the whole country so i'd love to see him back but understand if he doesn't uh and the next question is a state of baseball inquiry before the season during the work stoppage there was concern that missing a part of the entire season could be detrimental and put baseball in a spot from which it cannot return do you think this season in both st louis and around the country was a big victory for the sport of baseball or do you think it's running in place Secondly, this season saw 11 total hitters eclipse 300 batting average, the fewest since 1968. Do you think next year's rule changes will help improve the offensive product, or do you think more needs to be done? Uh, Yes, I do think it will help the offensive product. I hope it leads to more stolen bases. I do think you will see, if I could bet at everything right now, you will see more than 11 people hit over 300. That, to me, is much of a lock, but I know you weren't posing that question. Mm and I think overall, I think you ha- would have to, at this moment, on October 11th, as all of these LDSs are about to begin, I bet a number of f- people have f- forgotten about the work stoppage. Really? Yeah, I do. Really? I think a lot of people have just forgotten about it. Which would signal that that's a good thing for baseball. For baseball, yeah. it is, yes. Now, I can tell you this. I have virtually no interest in watching the LDSs, honestly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I, I think I'm probably in the minority um, on it, but that's just kind of where I am with baseball. And last night, granted, I switched over to a uh, Lakers documentary. Actually, Jackson, you'd be proud of me on Hulu. Very proud of you. Um, and I, because my, my teams on Daily Fantasy weren't uh, live for the Chiefs and the Raiders game. If they would have been, I would have stayed with it. But, uh, you know, uh, didn't, didn't have enough uh, Jacobs on the teams. And uh, I, I don't have that interest with baseball. I don't, I don't, I don't watch games where I don't have a vested interest, whether it be emotional or financial. Yeah, I hear you on that. So I just, I'm just kind of like, uh, now they get to an elimination game. I'll watch. I, yeah. I tuned in and I saw the Padres. I guess I do have a financial interest. I took the Padres to win the National yeah. League and to win the World Series like a right. month and a half ago. Futures so, bets are a little different though. It doesn't have the same. It doesn't have the same immediate payoff. I mean, right. I, I still need to see like uh, what uh, ten more wins or something like that. Which they could do. Is that what it is? Ten more wins? Eleven more wins. Eleven more wins. Yeah, because eleven is what you needed before the yeah. change of format. So uh Chris Kerber going to join us on the other side of the break. Your questions for Kerbs are welcome. Six five seven eight zero. He is with us every Tuesday. Darren Pang with us every Wednesday. This is Balloon Party on 101 ESPN. 
We're right back to the balloon party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. It's time for Curbside. He shoots, they score! With the voice of the blues, Chris Kerber. They score! Bring out the Zamboni! Refreshed by Randall's, St. Louis's number one liquor store. Visit shoprandalls.com. Welcome back, Balloon Party 101 ESPN. Tim McKernan, Action Jackson with you to the top of the hour, and then BK and Ferrario take over every Tuesday. It is our pleasure to welcome to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line the voice of the St. Louis Blues, who opened the season this Saturday night, Chris Kerber. Good morning, Kerbs. Tim, how are you? I am wonderful. How are you doing, sir? I imagine you're fired up. I'm good. Uh, the team's out of town doing a little team bonding, which is good, so... I was at the station a little earlier getting some uh, promos recorded, and now I'm back home and I'm cleaning a fish tank. Oh, nice. Boy, it comes at you fast, doesn't it? It, it does. Uh, you, you, listen, those betas are great fish. Like, I mean, you got that one-gallon fish bowl for your kids, right? And sure. it's just about once a month, you just got to do a quick cleaning and keep them alive. And that's what that's what the gig is today. That's to, that, is, that is this morning's <laughs> chore uh, for the moment, and uh, is make sure the fish doesn't die. <laughs> Uh, Chris, hey, listen, I got a, I got a great story for you. What do we have? Quick. What do we have? Okay, so so I've I've had you know I've always had these beta fish for the kids, right? Because again, they, they could live in a mud puddle basically, right? <laughs> so we had we had this we, we had a little wet bar uh, in our family room at the time, and 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 I had a the, the fish bowl was out on the wet bar, and it was down maybe about a half of a bowl, all the water evaporated, but the fish is fine, it's happy. We'd had this fish for like four years. My father in law comes into town. And just looks at it and goes, oh, the fish needs water. And he goes to the to the sink, fills up, you know, a cup of water, doesn't treat it, right? You know, you got to put the drops in and you kill right. the fish, right? And and the drops are instantaneous, so it's not hard. But he just pours the water in. Two minutes later, my fish of four years goes, boop, dead. No like, way! Dude, uh. like my father-in-law came in and killed my fish. I'm like, what the hell? Who, who waters somebody else's fish? So then, no problem. We walk back down to the pet store. We get a new fish. We put the fish in the bowl. This one's down about a third. I got a family function over at the house, and my littlest sister comes in and goes, oh, your fish needs water. Fills it up with cup, puts it in there, boom, somebody kills the second. I go, who the hell comes over to somebody's house and says, your fish tank needs water and just pours it in themselves? <laughs> and this happens to me twice. So now when people are over at the house, I put the fish away. <laughs> That's a good idea. I mean, it's like there's a, there's a hit order out on the family fish at the Kerber house. I wish... On? I wish to God those two stories weren't true, but they are absolutely true. <laughs> <laughs> what are the chances of that? Uh, your fish stories and your blues questions are welcome for Chris Kerber here. Six five, seven eight zero. Uh, do you leave camp seeing any notable holes on the team? I know uh, blues fans felt like entering camp uh, wondering about the composition of the, the third and fourth lines uh, and then also the situation in goal. So your thoughts there. And, of course, felt like there was a surplus uh, with the defensemen and, and then a couple of injuries certainly can change that perspective quickly so how do you view things with regards to the status of those question marks that people had going into camp curves yeah i don't see honestly i don't see a whole lot of holes i was just listening to uh some uh, satellite radio uh, the nhl network on satellite radio for a little bit too and finally some people were were kind of giving the blues some love i'll tell you what i think the last time i saw the blues were three thousand to one for the cup I'm like, all right, I like those odds. I'd, I'd take a piece of that action. Wow, uh, I wasn't aware of I, that, but I'm going to go uh, liquidate some yeah. assets. 
Wow. Find out. Find out. You, you, you've got access to that stuff before the end of this segment. You can find out what, what the I'm already on the site right now, sir. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. I am so, more, I'm but, more than happy to accommodate any of your wagering questions. Let's see. I am seeing the Blues at plus 2500 So a $100 bet okay. would get you uh, 2500 should they hoist the chalice. To give you comps on that, the Bruins are also plus 2500 uh, the Golden Knights are plus 2,000. Penguins plus 2,000. I'm sure you know who the favorite is. And the Avalanche are plus 400. Do you, can you venture a guess who is second? Second? Uh, second in the, in the Stanley Cup odds? Yes. Ooh. Uh, I don't know if people are thinking Tampa's going to go back to the fourth straight one. Uh, but I would either, I'd either go Tampa or maybe some people seem to be really hot on Edmonton. Uh, Edmonton is plus 1,200. Calgary actually is ahead of them, a plus 1,000. Right. Hurricanes plus 1,000. Lightning plus 1,000. Panthers plus 900. And your favorite outside of the Avalanche, the Leafs, plus 800. Okay, they're drunk. <laughs> they're officially intoxicated. You know, but, but, yeah, listen, back, back to the Blues. I, I think, I, I don't think there's really any holes. The, the question is just going to be what is the consistency? That, that comes out of it. And even if they have some juxtapositioning going on on that third and fourth line right now, there's enough competition for it and enough skill, and, and this coaching staff is good enough that, that they're going to be good. Uh, that, that part's going to be good. I, I think right now, going into day one, what I'm most curious about is our special teams. Last season, the Blues were the only team in the National Hockey League that had a power play and the penalty kill, both ranked in the top five in the league. The power play was 27%. I don't know that it's fair to expect a 27% power play. That's pretty doggone spectacular. But you've got some changes. David Perron was was one of your top power play performers. He's not there. Who fills in that spot? In training camp and some of these games, when we've had that whole unit together, it's been Tarasenko over on that left side. He's not a one-timer threat there. I'm not a big fan of not having a one-timer threat. We'll see, though. Maybe it works. I mean, Steve Ott had this team at 27%, number two in the league last year, I think he gets the benefit of the doubt to figure that out. Uh, penalty killing, well, that was you know Jimmy Montgomery's focus last year, and he's now the head coach of the Boston Bruins. So Craig McTavish has taken that over, and then there's going to be some tweaks to that. We've seen a very aggressive-looking penalty kill so far here uh, in those, those eight preseason games we saw. How does that play out? So to me, if I've got maybe not a hole, but – curiosity going into day one it's going to be really how do the special teams shake themselves out uh this is uh, along the lines of talking about uh tarasenko uh do you see a scenario in which at this time next year he would be back with the blues i think uh we've expected that as long as the team stays in contention he'll finish the year this season as a blue curbs but after that what is the likelihood that the blues would resign him you think I, I, I don't have a whole lot of confidence. My confidence is not high on that at all. Um, and, and just being the reason of he becomes an unrestricted free agent. Right. So he has the opportunity now to pick his place. And I think that that's going to be important. Now, here's there's one more challenge, though, to this. And that is that the, the cap is staying flat for one more season. So you could expect an increase in the cap of about $1 million. But again, the way they do, teams do the salary caps, it's it's what what the cap hit is your average salary over the course of the whatever term you sign, whether that be four years or seven years, or eight years if you're signed re-signing with the team. 
So getting that to fit in the first year is a real challenge. I do think this next season, across the league, I expect to see some decent names signing one-year contracts at a certain value and then signing additional contracts after that once there's going to be a decent rise in the cap, I think. That, that's, that's, uh, um, that's my kind of weather prediction on the salary cap management for teams there. But when it comes to Vladimir Tarasenko, he's been mum, he's been quiet. That's the way it should be. His agents have. That's definitely the way it should be. But I, I, it would surprise me if everything were to turn around and he decides to re-sign as a UFA with the St. Louis Blues. I, I just... I don't, I don't have I don't have anything that, that that says that's the case and we have some stuff that says he would prefer to to maybe play elsewhere. Uh, to me to me the priority is Ryan O'Reilly and you know getting him to fit under the cap uh, for that next year is going to be a challenge but to me I think you just that, that that is an absolute priority with where this team is the youth and what he brings to the table. That's it that's the exact direction I was going with this because I was going to ask about the minimal cap increase and if it makes it even more difficult. Uh, for the Blues, and and then also uh, we have a texture here who says I don't see uh, him waiting around like Perron to see what the Blues want to do. I think an extension has to be done during the season. That's what this person texted in. Uh, your thoughts on that with O'Reilly? Well, you, you you've got until July one, so you know you you you're going to have plenty of time to figure that out. I'm I'm sure they probably had some initial conversations or two. It's just going to come into where it fits, and, and this is the challenge, Tim. I mean, this is a guy that, this is a guy that you know, with some teams, probably still could demand that seven and a half million dollar salary, you know, that he's looking at. But I don't see the Blues having that kind of space, you know, with with where they're at at the moment. So, is he willing to to come off of that number, you know, and maybe get another year on 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 the term to to lock it in? I don't know how that'll work out, but um, you know, he. It, over his career, he's had some difficult contract negotiations. Those have been pretty public, and, and I'm sure people know about them. I would hope this is different. He just he seems really happy here. This is a great mm-hmm. fit. And this is going to be one of those where there's probably a way to get it done, but it's going to have to be some adjustments on the players' expectations as well. And that's that's nobody's fault except really the salary cap situation is what it is for another year. Chris Kerber with us every Tuesday here on Balloon Party 101 ESPN Blues, opening up the season this Saturday. Blues and Blue Jackets pregame here on 101 ESPN gets underway at 6 p.m. Kerb's looking forward to our conversations every Tuesday. Hopefully the fish stay alive throughout the course of the week. You got it, Tim. You guys have a good week. Let's have some fun this weekend. Amen. Take it easy, brother. There he is, Chris Kerber, with us here on Balloon Party 101 ESPN. BK and Ferrario coming your way here in a matter of moments. For Action Jackson, a.k.a. Piddles, I'm Tim McKernan. This has been Balloon Party on 101 ESPN. You've been listening to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Any workout, any mood, any time. That's what the Peloton Tread is all about. From interval runs that motivate you to go the extra mile, power walks that work up a sweat, rolling hill hikes for you to enjoy, and full body boot camps to hit your goals. Plus thousands of workouts that go beyond the tread. Strength programs, core classes, yoga, Pilates, and even boxing. Everything you need on and off the Peloton Tread. Experience it all for yourself with a 30-day home trial. Learn more at OnePeloton.com.